rolling and we're back on. I want to thank everybody for your awesome attention here today. Can you believe all the things that we have been learning today? I know some of you popping back in. I just want to make sure that everyone knows that we're not gone. <laughs> uh, and I know you might be out on your breaks or that's okay, but I am back. What's up, guys? I see you. I see you. Make sure if you're just joining us for the first time today, you smash down below and you let us know that you were here. Tell us where you're from, where you're tuning in, where you're watching from. We've had an epic day so far. Jay Shetty, Jenna Kutcher. I mean, can you believe how good these speakers have been? Craig Clemens has been on. I mean, we just learned so much. And I hope you've been taking notes, getting excited about this opportunity to learn, getting excited about this opportunity to put yourself out there. You've been hearing very tactical advice on how to make you know, videos go viral, on how to launch books, on how to do podcasts, on how to do Instagram, on the copywriting. It's been like a master's class from some of the best influencers and thought leaders in the world. And as you've seen, just people I really love and like and admire who have so much to contribute and so much to share. And our next guest is going to be just like that. Um, somebody who has become a great friend and somebody I really have just loved watching enter this industry, take it by storm and do it in a way that's really authentic and in a way that um, honestly has been vulnerable. You know, it's, it's difficult to come into this industry and decide what you want to share and to find your own way and frankly, to believe in yourself. It's difficult to launch new things, start new things, become a speaker when you weren't a speaker before, be a writer when you weren't a writer before, sell things on the internets when you haven't sold things on the internets before. And what I love about this next story and this next guest with Dave Hollis is went from zero to a million miles an hour trying to figure out how to do all of that and being vulnerable enough to share along the way the struggle of that, the, the challenges of that. And uh, to do it in such a heart-centered way, uh, he's a great friend, and I'm really excited about this. Now, we have on our Zoom some of our, our best clients in the world, but we also have out there on Facebook land, everybody watching this. So if you would, share this, like it, comment, scream out, big shout out for Dave Hollis about to come on with us. Let people know he's coming on. This should be a really great time together. Um, so I've been looking forward to this hour all day long. Dave Hollis is a New York Times bestselling author of Get Out of Your Own Way. He is the host of the Rise Together podcast, and he has been um, somebody who I um, knew. I never knew. I have a short story to tell about him, and that is that it turned out my wife, Denise, and he knew each other back in college, which like blew my mind of the serendipities of life. And so my wife was excited to cheer him on today, too. So uh, with that, Dave Hollis, are you on the line with us, my brother? My brother. It's so good hey! to be here. Hey! What is hey, up? Come on the line. He's on the internet. Let's go. Come on. Let's go, <laughs> Brendan. Hey, buddy. Good seeing you. It's so good to see you, man. Greetings from Dripping Springs, Texas. Dripping I'm so Springs. grateful. So grateful to be here today, my man. Thanks for including me among all of these amazing speakers. It's been such a rad day so far. I, I just, I'm so grateful to be here, man. I would have, I would have killed to be on something like this at the beginning of my career. I mean, 
like the turmoil of jumping into something and trying to figure it out is so hard, but then having people like this just share what they're doing and how, what they've learned. It's just so huge. So Um, good. Huge. Uh, Dave, I want to give you a chance to jump in and give us a little bit about your background because like a lot of people here, they're, they're transitioning into this little world and you have a unique perspective describing this world. It's hard for me. It's so old hat and I can describe what I think this world is, but you just saw it from a new lens and recently. So maybe share where you were and what it was like to jump into this. Yep. So I spent 20 plus years in entertainment. I, out of college, worked at 20th Century Fox, worked at Fox Broadcasting Company, worked at a talent agency for a stretch of time representing humans that were in TV and film, went into a grassroots marketing role where, among other things, I was a tour manager for Destiny's Child when they were not yet selling records or filling the center courts of malls. Wow. I uh, found my way after that to the Walt Disney Company. And for 17 years, had a career inside of the biggest media company on earth, the first 10 working in packaged media, the last seven as the head of sales for the film studio. So my job was to put movies into theaters. And lucky for me, I had the Marvel, Lucas, Pixar, Disney, and Disney Animation film slates to try and put into theaters. Brendan, I tell you this, you could have put those movies into theaters, my man, because theaters need Star Wars and Avengers films. I promise you that. (laughs) In uh, 2018, my wife and I at the time had a conversation about the future and the Uh, real-time midlife moment that I was having in not having to necessarily work as hard to use my gifts to sell movies to theaters and an interest in impact, an interest in something that legacy-wise might mean more than a resume or a title or a salary. And so we decided to move our family to Austin, Texas. We co-founded a company called The Hollis Company, with a single purpose to put tools in people's hands that might, if they were to use them, make their lives better. Either give them the ability to grow in a way that they hadn't previously, combat the limiting beliefs that maybe were the blocks to them becoming the best versions of themselves. And so through books and podcasts, digital education, coaching, uh, we created for a community of people that grew over time, uh, a suite of tools that if, again, they would use these tools might afford them this opportunity at a richer, fuller life. In recent days, uh, I am in, in fact in transition again, having gone from entertainment, corporate, totally conventional, different kind of business to startup entrepreneur, trying to figure out all the things. In real time, I'm in the midst of divorce. Hello. And in that, I'm in transition from a company that I used to work at every single day, thought I would work at for quite a long time, into trying to map How can I, with the voice that I have and the work that I do, create something new? And so in a crazy way to what you said, I was able to, in a couple years worth of time, just have a drinking out of a fire hydrant kind of experience of what this influencing other humans life looks like and how to best try and create resources that you can monetize. And I'm now asking myself those same set of questions in what will, for me, be a totally different kind of operation going forward, where it's about my work, not our work, and the things that I might be able to use in taking the gifts that have been afforded to me and affording them to the people that I have impact on. I love it, man. Well, first, we're just so happy you're here. Thanks, man. uh, That that you have led that 
and jumped into it with such bravery and, and, and like gusto, you know, and it's, it's one of those things. It's like a lot of people are in transition right now because of this year, just 2020, right? <laughs> what is happening? And so I'd love to hear you describe like that, that, that as you jumped into it for the very first time, because all of a sudden, Hey, you're on Instagram live with your wife. Hey, you're out on the road on seminars, pulling off conferences. Hey, you're doing brand deals. Hey, you're, you're, what is your perception now after having jumped in this, the way that you did of like describing this industry to people and what it feels like to try? Because we have a lot of people who, who want to do it. They're watching this right now and they want to put themselves out, out there more, but they don't know what out there really means when we say the industry and they don't know like how to get over, get out of their own way in, in your language. Yeah. I, so I came in, I mean, part of the subtitle of my book is a skeptic's guide to growth and fulfillment. I came into the business that we're talking about today, very skeptical of the very tools that I am now creating, of the very resources that we as a part of the Hollis company were creating and a, a skeptical of all the stuff that I'm going to be doing going forward. I think and you were skeptical. Of, I, I remember having a, a dinner with you somewhere, some hotel somewhere, and you're like, I can't do this stuff. And I was like, what? <laughs> and we had the, I think you're skeptical of me, but also just skeptical of like the, the ability to jump in, you know? <laughs> well, I think part of it is there are people that absolutely are deserving of your trust. They are absolutely deserving of your investing your time. They are absolutely deserving of the way that you will get a return from having invested your time or money in the resources that they create. And then there are others that, that frankly aren't. Yeah. And so truly staying connected to service, truly staying connected to impact, not just selling something because you can, not just telling someone what you think they want to hear, but drawing on life experience. And you mentioned in the introduction, you know, vulnerability has become as much a part of the brand that is the work that I do because I, yes, want to encourage you to get up and move your body and believe in your dreams and push past your limiting beliefs. But also, I'm probably going to be a little more honest and candor, candorous around the things that I've also struggled with in this journey because it creates something of an empathy bridge with the audience that I'm trying to affect if they are also able to see some of the humanity that exists inside of the experience of my experience because I'm also a work in progress because I'm also in this pursuit of growth going to have three great, three great days that give way to a bad day in the nonlinear progression that is becoming who I'm becoming. And my willingness, and I would argue for anyone who's listening, your willingness to share the wins, but maybe more importantly, the processing of and, and the way that you are also experiencing the losses creates a humanness to you that actually creates a stickiness with your audience and a relatability that has them actually wanting to listen. So as I came in at the beginning and Rachel and I are trying to figure out how to put tools in people's hands being as authentic as was possible with the truth of our experience, both the good, but also the bad, sharing the struggle, being comfortable to get uncomfortable in owning things that sometimes I carried shame for, that sometimes I was embarrassed of, was important because the things that I had shame or embarrassment for are universal things that plague all of us as human beings and if I can be honest in that, then maybe there's a chance that you're going to want to listen to the ways that I attempted to address 
those things that were liabilities and turn them into opportunities. Yeah. What do you think is was the hardest part jumping in um, to that hardest part of the transition? And, and what did you learn from it? Well, I think the hardest part at the beginning is I came out of a job at Disney where in those last seven years where I was the head of sales, I was also the spokesperson for the studio to the press. So every Sunday, I was the person on the phone convincing the person asking me a question that an underperforming movie actually did exactly what we were hoping. Thank you very much. That, yep, it may be something that you have perceived as having failed, but let me tell you how uh, it's exactly what we were hoping for and more. And so there was a little bit of muscle memory that existed from this career that I had in being somewhat of a spin doctor that if you end up having any skill whatsoever in arguing or negotiating in how you might, as a public relations person, put a little bit of a spin on it, you can do so at the expense of actually connecting with anyone because it never feels real. And so the hardest part, I think, for me at the beginning, as I was now sitting in front of a camera or standing on a stage, was allowing myself to actually go to a place that wasn't about managing optics that wasn't about spinning or telling a version of the truth that while I was a very believable storyteller was not actually an accurate or did not have integrity necessarily with the experience of my experience. And the more that I leaned into honestly owning, Hey, I've struggled with this coping mechanism. Hey, I've been a skeptic and didn't use the tools that were readily available. Hey, you know, on and on and on. There were so many people that were raising their hands representing that they also could identify with that, that those were the things that as tools started working really, really well. So the first thing is you, you got to stay connected to authenticity. you got to stay connected to the integrity between who you are every day in your life and how you represent the tools that you have to offer. Because as much as you can fool some people at the beginning, it is a short it's a short game that will absolutely catch up to you, especially inside of an industry that has some people selling a little bit of the snake oil. You don't want to be someone who you know, perpetuates any of the stereotype because we're all here just to have as much impact, to unleash as much of our purpose in a way that affords people as much good in their own life. Oh, I love that. I love that. And if, if anything, people learn too, is there longer in this industry the more you try to spin things and try to make it look perfect, the more exhausting it is, the more it destroys your health, your relationships, your friendships. And like burnout is so much closer to reality, the more you're always trying to like sidestep truth. And the more you're trying to fabricate and, and, and build something up, you know, it's like, I don't try to be fancy because I'm like, I literally am like milk toast. I'm the most boring person in the industry. I'm like, I'm a writer. I don't, they're like, show more of your life. I'm like, I get up, I have green tea. I read for many hours. I write some notes. I, I post a few, like it, 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 we all, I don't, I've never tried to construct something that isn't there for me because one, that would be a mental prison. And, 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 and two, I know it's hard enough to be consistent just doing your own thing. You know, it's really hard to be consistent at something that you hate or that isn't real to, to like consistency. Everyone already knows discipline and consistency is hard. Discipline and consistency towards something is real and true. And you love that's easy to get up the morning for consistency yeah. towards something you don't love. 
that's brutality. I mean, that's hard. Well, I will tell you this, the, the, the number one question that I ask myself, especially in the midst of all of the transition that's happening in real time, is how do I feel about myself when I'm by myself? And the answer to that question ends up being how successfully I have in this single day, the only day that I can actually control. I can't control what's happened. I have no control over whatever, how long, and anything that's going to come in the future. I can only control the effort that I put into this day. And so this attempt to create integrity between who I'd know I'd have to be in order to become who I'd hope to become on this day is the, is the thing that I'm looking to try and do on this day, the only day that I can control. And at the end of the day, if I find that, hey, you know what? I had my habits and routines in check. I had my coping mechanisms in check. I did the kind of things I needed to fuel my body, my mind. I took care of my health in the way mental, emotional, physical, relational, spiritual health in the way that would actually get me one step closer to this vision of who I'm becoming. Well, then I sleep well at night because I've, been, I've now created integrity. Yeah. Now, when you haven't created integrity, Right. If you've pretended that you're something that you're not, when you haven't actually lived up to the habits that you're preaching to other people that they ought to actually themselves indulge in. Now you create a, a, a delta, a gap. And this gap that exists between who you know you could have become or who you know you should have been in order to become who you want to become. That's where shame. That's where guilt That's where unfulfilled potential. That's that's where confidence being compromised lives. And so I think for any of us, especially if we're going to use the platforms that we've been afforded, want to try and find a way to know that we are doing the work that we are on this planet to do. It's how do you create that integrity every single day? It's got to start with authenticity, but also staying true, committed and disciplined to the things that you know you have to do on that single day to continue on your journey of who you're becoming. I love that, man. Give this guy a round of applause in the comments. Cheer him on out there by sharing this. Dude, I love that. When when I think a part of your journey, especially recently, you know, um, a, a theme that we haven't really got to today that I know we've got a lot of questions on is like, how do you deal with, you know, wanting to be authentic, wanting to put it out there, um, but also with just the haters and the doubters and the people who just like judge you. And I think <laughs> you and your family have certainly been judged this year, um, but from the very beginning, right? When there's somebody, when something new is in the industry and something is happening, it's easy to do that. But also, you know, you were in, in the relationship so tied together and so perceived in one way by the audience. And then this pivot, this change, this relationship shift. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's a lot of feeling behind that. How do you deal with that judgment or with, those accusations or with those, you know, mean comments, because we didn't get that earlier. You know, Jay was more talking about like how to make things go, but obviously when you make things go, y'all stuff comes back, you know what I'm saying? So how do you deal with that, Dave? All right. So I'm going to give you a three part answer. The first is there inevitably will be 10 people out of a hundred that absolutely do not like the thing that you have created. And so often we will stop creating or second guess our creation or become insecure about creating because of the 10 people at the expense of the 90 people who would have actually been the beneficiaries of the goodness of the work. We are so distracted by the hater, by the comments, by what if and how it will affect. 
instead of focusing on the way that the impact that you're hoping for actually lands on the people it was meant for. There was a saying at one point that, you know, uh, you could have the very, very best peach pie in the entire world. And inevitably, there is someone who doesn't like peach pie. And so guess what? You may have made the very best video, may have made the very best, uh, you know, quote, the best copy, the best ad, the best funnel. And inevitably, there are certain people that are not going to like it because they don't like peach pie. And that is not an indictment on you. That is just a reflection of their taste. Move on. The second thing I'd say is, I actually put this in my feed today, so I'm going to just very lazily read a quote from my book. I'll do it. Number one, I don't think that anyone is actually really thinking about what you're doing. I mean, as much as I think we as humans and ego and self-esteem are so connected to the feedback that we get from others, people are focused primarily on themselves. And that's not an indictment on them. It's a reflection of their humanity because you, who is listening right now, are also primarily focused on you. It's just the way we're wired. So I have this quote in my book. If someone does, though, have a problem with something that you're doing, it's likely that they're either challenged by it that they feel insecure because of it, that they are jealous of your willingness to chase after it, or are frustrated that your belief in yourself makes them more aware of their disbelief in their ability. Mm. Okay, So when you start to get hate, usually, my experience, it's that you've triggered something that is a reflection of them, not a response to you. And so you have to decide, are you going to stop creating Are you going to stop delivering light and goodness into this world? Are you going to stop your pursuit of impact because of the possibility that someone, because of whatever happened in their life is triggered by a thing that you've created? Or are you going to dismiss those people as not having been the intended recipient of the value you're trying to deliver? I argue every day you got to go for the latter because those haters are still there. And the crazy thing is if they really hated you, If they really hated you, they would unfollow you. And yet there they are, still commenting on your posts. There they are, still shooting you DMs. So it's not so much that there's hate as much as there maybe is some triggered insecurity. That maybe you've provoked a little jealousy. That maybe you've exposed a little of their own insecurity for not having pursued what you're pursuing. And the last thing I'd say is, uh, yeah, in real time, they're in the transition of our relationship and my transition away from the Hollis company. Um, there was a community of people that absolutely felt rug pulled by news that came as a surprise. They didn't see it coming. Uh, and I uh, was among the people, frankly, that did not see this coming. The idea of being divorced or not working at the Hollis company was never a thing that I could have contemplated. And so I had to choose in real time, do I go in a bunker Do I try and argue, litigate with people my side of this story? Or do I share the experience of my experience in as honest a way as I possibly can, in a way that maybe affords some light and some impact for the audience who's still interested in being shown that light? And I chose the latter because, uh, one, I am so invested in and connected with this community of people that have been so supportive in our lives for a decade who in this transition have been wildly supportive 
on dark days when I couldn't conjure the imagination for what next looked like. And in some ways, choosing to create in spite of or despite the evidence of some people being upset by this news has frankly produced some of my best work because I'm tapping into and sharing this raw, honest vulnerability of the frankly hardest season I've ever been through. But it's resonating in part because everyone's going through a hard time. Plenty of people have been through divorce. We're all experiencing something that we did not see as a thing that would potentially disrupt this year. And so part of the storytelling, part of the lives, part of the posts, part of the copy, just putting on full display, here's my heart, careful with it, people, uh, has just been something that as everyone is processing this collective, we are, as a global society, processing grief for a normal that once existed and are trying our best to figure out what normal will look like on the other side. And I am as much a part of that as anyone is. And in a world where I'm happy to give you the tips on what's worked well and how I've approached trying to cast the vision for what next looks like and how I'm going to try and organize my life around that vision, I'm also not going to take a position of being perfect or an expert that doesn't also have bad days because it, it disconnects me from an audience that wants to also get a peek into the humanity that is the experience of me just walking this planet like they are. It's just what's real right now. You know, it's like everybody's got to have that acknowledging conversation that this is tough. This is strange. This is odd. This is difficult. This is unfortunate. This is sad. This is terrifying. This is like, it's just real. You like leaders have to discuss what's real and what collectively we're going through, um, you know, culturally. And, and I think that when you make that really human, you speak to that broader experience. You know, when it's, when it's that one individual, like I'm struggling with this part of it, you go, yeah, I, I can see that. And maybe it's not you see that, but you can see that in your family or your parent or somebody around you who you really care about. It's huge. Um, I'd love to shift gears a little bit with you because what I love about the experience you've had, and maybe this comes to a little bit from the Disney experience of what you, you've had in your past is it, it's like, I, I kind of want to dub you part of like, like, like a rollout King a little bit where what happens in our industry is usually people come in and like they, they, they have a podcast for a while and the, you know, podcast runs for a couple of years. Then they launch that book. Then, then, you know, at some point, a couple of years in, they launch a conference and then a couple of years in, they launched coaching. And then, you know, where you like rolled it out, you and Rach, you know, like in a series of this much time, rolled out like everything. And I would love for you to share what you learned and, that works. You know, both, both, I'd love you actually to share the challenge of doing that and what it can cost because we're, we've, there's been a good conversation about balance today. Um, but also like, oh, if you're going to launch or roll out something new, here's maybe how to think about that or some tips to do that well, because you guys did it at extraordinary scale and really fast. So maybe yeah. you can share that journey and those lessons. Yeah. If there was anything at Disney that carried over into the beginnings of Hollis company and the, the, the steep curve as it were, it was definitely taking some of the ideology around how do you build something with all of the different synergistic parts of a big company and take one plus one and make it seven. And so, you know, for us, we'd 
had a live events business that's an idea to create a filmed version of the live event and put it into movie theaters was something that ultimately created, uh, you know, taking something that only had a limited audience and now made it available to a bigger audience. When a book came out, the idea of doing not just a book, but turning the book into chapters that could live inside of a podcast that might allow people who didn't themselves buy the book, hear the book for free uh, in, in taking some of the content that was available inside of the live events, turning it into a direct consumer opportunity in coaching and, and launching coaching inside of a portal that now, hey, you don't have to fly, get a sitter, you don't have to do the things that you might have done previously. You instead now are able to, hello, I am in the middle of something that I would love to say hi to you for, but I am- Hi! For, you wanna say hi real quick to everybody? Brendan. I miss you. All right, there's Noah saying hi real quick. All right, get Noah, out of here. I miss you. Real quick, I'll, I'll come see you in a second. Um, but the idea was, if you can identify those key things that you know are going to be needle movers for your business, and then architect the different ways that you can pour gasoline, I mean, honestly, what is happening in 2020 that in the middle of this conversation, there is a three-year-old human sitting behind my chair pour gasoline <laughs> on the things you that you know with 100% certainty, are going to absolutely be able to take that singular thing and multiply it and have it become something that is bigger and will inevitably create more audience, will create more exposure, will create additional ways of coming in. And so, you know, we had the, the unicorn events, the black swan events of Girl Wash Your Face that ended up selling 4 million copies in its first year. That is not a thing that most people walking into this business are going to necessarily find. And so, I'm sorry. Give me one quick. Second. No, I love you so much. I'll, I'll, I'll give. <laughs> I'll give you my uh, experience and journey of that. Um, so, to offer I mean, a little commentary. If but, this, I mean, if this isn't a sign of what happens in 2020, I don't know what is. Where did you put her? You just walked off the camera with her. <laughs> she has a teenage brother. He has the capacity to actually keep her locked away until we finish our <laughs> conversation. Um, <laughs> No, but like the, 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 the question was, we know we have something that is now introducing Rachel as a personality to an audience that's far larger than was previously thought. What can we execute in very quick time so that while this book is still sitting on the list, so that while people are still talking about a documentary they can watch in theaters, so that while the podcast is getting traction, and so it was, uh, the, the strategy was called stacking. It was just how can you stack as many things as possible? And so in the documentary that lived in theaters, the last 15 minutes of the documentary was coaching, the actual coaching that you could sign up for. Inside of the podcast, there were chapters of the book. Inside of the book club, there was an exclusive thing that was available only inside of our portal that would lead to an email capture and allow us now to create a relationship via funnel. And so each of these things, it was not just, hey, let's put this single thing out. It was, how can we use that single thing and turn it into something that becomes a multiplier for every other thing that the company's working on? Yeah, think about it as, you know, uh, some of you know the, the phrase of message integration um, and product integration. It's where in every platform that you have, you're having a little bit of a crosstalk about the other platforms that you have 
And so if you're on YouTube, you you mention Instagram as an example, but same thing with your products. You might be on your podcast and you're also mentioning, oh, this live thing that you do on the internet once a month, right? It's like, I want to give everyone permission to do that because we get so like channel focused. We forget what we really are as brands is we're creating a family of platforms across which we're communicating to our families about the families of products and services we have. And so I think what the Hollis has really mastered was that crosstalk, if you will, of across all these things where, oh, yeah, we're going to mention the book here and the podcast there. Oh, and the documentary there. Oh, and we have a conference here and we have a coach. Like that conversation helps the, the universe of your customers understand what the heck you do in an industry where most people just think you're an Instagram star. <laughs> you know? so, I will say this, too, because it was very much about a value escalator that we were trying to yeah run people through. And so we committed to two and a half, almost three years of five day a week morning shows where we were entertaining and coaching and teaching, but also using the captive audience, about 250,000 people in a 24 hour period every single day for two and a half years to tell them about how excited we were for our line of journals to come out that were consistent with some of the things that we were talking about in the show. The idea of creating what ended up being three podcasts and then a network that included some new voices from other people was, can we give you some free content, point you to, again, another free option that if you like this, integrating some advertising into that free option that might draw you into a paid experience. Writing books, it's a low price entry point that if someone likes your voice, maybe has them asking, I wonder if they have coaching because, man, I really like what I read inside this book that I paid $12 for. Yes. And now you're having them opt into something that in a recurring $39, $69, $99 a month kind of way has them getting great value. It's not about, oh, I'm going to take them up the ladder and not give them more value than what they're paying for. It's how do you expose people at a base, no or low cost model? that pours in a Gary V kind of jab, 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 right hook kind of way, a ton of jabs of free that has them feeling so overwhelmed with free content, free value, and being seen and heard for what they need that when you do ask them, hey, by the way, we've got this thing, are you interested? You're going to deliver them great value, but they've also been so overwhelmed with the value that you've been delivering that it's not a big barrier for them to have to then leap and transact in, with dollars. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I just, I just wrote that down. I was typing along some notes here, just like how you thought of that escalation, that conversation. I would love to share about that experience you mentioned with going live every day um, and what you what you felt really worked in that, but also what you didn't like in that, if, if anything, because yeah. a lot of people ask me that all the time. Like, Brennan, should I be live every day? And I think, you know, that's a good it depends conversation. Maybe how Can you help people think about going live every day and what that experience is like, what's good about it, what's not good about it, what you should do if you want to. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that going live every day, especially as consistently as we did, created was depth, right? Everyone talks about how many followers. I, to be honest, I don't care about how many followers you have. I care about how many deep followers you have. Because those core followers are the people that are ride or die. They're going to be with you forever. And when you do introduce something that does have a price attached to it, 
not only are the ones they're the ones that are going to buy it, they're the ones that are going to get the most value out of it. You could sell them a $39 thing. They're going to feel like they got a $500 value out of that thing. And it's just going to perpetuate the lifetime value of them as a customer. And so the every single day consistency created depth in a way that I'll argue almost anything else could not have created. It absolutely became a vehicle for us to have the kind of conversations about the things that we were introducing from a launch perspective in a way that didn't feel sweaty because it was also like, Hey, we've got this thing. If you want to go to this conference, if you want to buy this t-shirt, if you would like to you know, get this book or course, fantastic. If you don't, by the way, you can always show up here for the free value that we're going to deliver you every single day, or you can listen to any of the free podcasts, one of the tens of thousands of pieces of video content that live on these sites. But if you're interested, here's an option. And so it became a vehicle to promote and have, you know, and the thing is we weren't promoting in a shilly, you know, like, like I say, sweaty kind of way. It was truly, Hey, we're excited about this. And I was, and she was, we were really excited about the tools that we were creating because we believed in them. We were using them ourselves and in having used them ourselves could talk about it. The downside is there are days when you don't want to go live. And if you have made a commitment to an audience when you decide that you don't want to go live, uh, then you all of a sudden start to have people getting upset. There's an expectation if you feel like you have to go live because of having created a precedent of going live, you can become resentful of what feels like, uh, you know, hey, I'm trying to just offer you value. I really need to take a week off. We also happen to have four kids. That part, you know, that part is hard. So I think you've got to kind of decide what's reasonable for you. I, do I think that it was one of the most important factors in having created the kind of thing that happened in the two years that we were doing? 100%. At the same time, it was hard because it's hard to, when you're having a hard day, when you, I mean, especially for us as a couple are working through stuff in your marriage to yeah. come on and turn it on and be encouraging and not necessarily bring a conversation that could have been happening off camera on camera uh, you know, that, that part gets hard too. So I think we did a good job of trying to be as authentic with where we were and how we were and how we were processing what we were. And yet it's an impossibility to be totally transparent every single day. And it's hard to stay that committed for that length of time. If you can do it for some stretch of time though, I'm telling you the results absolutely compound because being that consistent is what creates it. Yeah. I know we have a lot of people who, who messaged in advance of like knowing you're coming on and others too who work with their spouse or work with their partners or haven't been through that journey. And they, they ask all the time, like, how do you make that work? What should we watch out for? And obviously you, 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 you've just been through that. So if it's too sensitive, that's cool. But I also wanted to share on my perspective of like what Denise and I learned, many of you saw us and, and Dave was there with our Puerto Rico group. We literally asked, I was like, well, Denise and I are thinking about doing a podcast together. And we're trying to figure out if we should do that. And it's like half the table is like, no, the other, <laughs> the other half is like, you guys are awesome. Go for it. And this, we, we, we tried and we just, we didn't enjoy it. And I think what you have to take as a theme today from everyone who's spoken is finding those lanes, which you enjoy and really going down them. And, and it, it was like, it was so funny. We could do it just like we could figure out anything else. But for us, we just didn't, we didn't, look forward to it. We didn't really on a, on a daily space, like can't, can't wait for that. 
uh, and it became an, an impediment between us just enjoying the day. So we, we, we made it about, I think, two months. <laughs> and we're like, uh, that's not going to work for us. But I have other friends who've made it work for decades. And so I'd just love to hear your perspective on it because you had on you had it you know at an extreme success level and then at an extreme opposite where you're just like I think we're done with that part. So how, how do you uh, what advice would you offer to people who might be considering working with a partner or spouse? Well, you only went two months and you're still married, and we went for two and a half years and we're not. So. Uh, <laughs> no, here's the thing. I love you, Dave Wallace. I love you too, Brendan. Here's I mean, the, the reality is, yeah, it was, I do think it was hard. It was hard on us. It was hard to do it for as long as we did. And as much as inside of it, I don't know that I could understand some of the pressure or pain that was being created because of the attempt to serve the audience so well. Service of the audience was always the primary focus. Service of the audience and service of the audience for the hope that we could continue to scale the business, that we could serve more people. That was the reason to do it. But sometimes the service of the audience or the service to grow the company so that we could serve more people was creating pressures inside of our marriage that, you know, if it, to do it over, would I, would I have maybe not had us do two and a half years of uh, a morning show? Probably not. You know, would it have changed where we're at? Probably not. But I do think it's one of these things where you're going to know as an individual, if you and your partner have the wiring to do something together. And I, man, I commend and respect the fact that you guys gave it a shot didn't work. You didn't like it. I, I could not agree more, though, with as long as you are enjoying it, as long as it's bringing you and fueling you and, and, and helping you feel like you can now deliver even additional light to this world, then do it. Yeah. But as soon as it starts to compromise how you feel, as you start to you know compromise the way that you think you can take the tools that you've been given and, and afford those tools to other people, then don't. It's I mean it's a, to me a very simple kind of thing. Um, you know I wish I I wish I would have listened you know a little bit to my own advice in real time because man hindsight is everything and here I am in the midst of transition. At the same time, I'm not sure that it would have necessarily changed things, but I would I would I would advise anyone just to be careful. That's good. I think that's really, you know, just honest. And it's, it's one of those things where no one knows until you're in it. I mean, you, in, in, in partner and spouse relationships is what my, I talked earlier today, Dave, about the importance of not feeling like you have to have everybody approve or come along or participate or understand or validate or cheer you on. Because some of you out there have partners who will never get this. Spouses who will always think you're crazy, who aren't happy, who, who don't feel like uh, happy or secure that you're happy and secure in the relationship. And why do you have to have that? And so I think partners, partnerships and relationships are so difficult in this industry and you won't know until you kind of go. You got to give it an attempt and then just be honest with one another about how that feels and what's working and, and, and don't feel like you have to subscribe to doing it like everybody else. Like yeah. from day one, I, I knew like my wife and I aren't like Dave and Rach or like 40 or 50 of our other friends who've all had their experiences of trying to work together or, you know, 
this person's the front, this person's the COO, or this person's the front, this person's the CFO, or this person. At the end of the day, you get to build this. This is your business. You build it in the way that you like and that will like support you and your and the people that you love. I think that's so key. I will um, say this too, because I think this is important. Yeah, please do. We had a single mission, put tools in people's hands to help them change their life. But we had divergent approaches to how each of us with our individual wiring, the way that we have uh, just like anything from fixed to growth mindset to the way that we're motivated to a whole host of things that were wildly different. Mm. So trying to share that stage and deliver something that was attempting to give somewhat of a unified message around any single topic tended to be one or the other of us having to yield to who we truly were as opposed to leaning into who we were, truly were. And so I want to encourage anyone also know that you have a story to tell that if you're in a relationship where you're both going to work inside of this space, that your voice matters like their voice does and that your process for growth, that you're learning the way that you teach, the way that you share the light you have to afford it can completely be different than the person that you're in relationship with. And if you find times where working together or trying to promote together in some ways compromises your standalone message and their standalone message from staying true to themselves as standalone messages, then you have another sign to find a way to create a lane that's specific to you and allow the person you're in relationship with to stay connected to what's specific to them. I love that. I love that. Now that you're kind of um, putting yourself out there more individually than before, I'd love to ask you something. I actually asked, I, yeah, I think I asked Jenna this today about like, what does that week look like for you as an influencer and someone building a business? Like people are really struggling to grasp this. And I see it in the comments sometimes. Like I still don't understand. Like, what do you do each week? Do you just hang out on Instagram? It's like, we are building these businesses and some people don't realize the scale of the businesses. These are multi-million dollar businesses of everyone who's spoken to you today, like year over year, multi, multi, multi million dollars. So um, what, what, how, if you had to describe to a family member, like this is what my week looks like. Can you walk us through that? I'm going to answer it in a little bit of a different way. Okay. I will, I will, I will land this plane, but go with me just for a second because I'm in real time working through a framework to understand what my week will look like. Yeah, right? that's great. So, right. That's so great. if you right now are just getting started up or if you're in the midst of COVID having to reassess how you want to think about what the heck you do, I will tell you the thing that I am working through in real time because I am handed a blank piece of paper. It is my future. It is both exciting, exhilarating, and totally terrifying. And it's my job now, like it is for you, to fill out what ends up being on that blank piece of paper. So I've had to start with just asking this question when it comes to who I am and my personal brand, what do I stand for? So write down, what do I stand for? And I had to make a list of my core values that every single thing that I do professionally has to align with, right? So work to live, don't live to work. I want to be an ally to all. I want to be better than yesterday, all about growth. I want to be a servant leader. How can I serve people? I want to do it through the lens of positivity. How can I choose positivity? And how can I act with integrity? Create integrity between who I say I am 
on the Instagram and who I know myself to be when I'm sitting in this house by myself going to bed at night. So that's the first question, right? And anything I do, it can't compromise the lifestyle I want. If I want to be able to coach my son's baseball, which I do, I can't have an influence business that doesn't allow me to go to a practice on a Tuesday or a game on a Saturday, right? It's got to have an eye towards impact, especially in an underserved market as an ally. It's got to focus on growth. It's got to be from a posture of service on and on, right? The second thing that I'm asking in real time, write this down, who am I trying to be, right? So I want you to think about what is your personal brand? What's your personal brand? So in the attempt for me to narrow down what my week is going to look like when I actually figure this all out, I created four pillars. I'm a parent. And so I'm going to focus on creating resources around what it might mean to influence young people through children's books, teens through a teen book. How can I, as a parent, influence people who are parents or the children who are being raised by parents? Second, personal development is going to be a big part of what I do. So how do I think about growth? How do I teach others about my own growth journey as a skeptic? Business and leadership, I've had this successful career in corporate, I've had some experience in entrepreneurship, how can I teach or talk about any of those experiences? And then health and fitness, I am working every day to absolutely in physical, mental, relational, spiritual health, become the best version of myself. So what do you stand for? Who are you trying to be? Third question is, what are the tools that I can create to maintain my lifestyle, serve other people? with positivity and growth that maintains integrity with my life. What are the tools? And so now it's where I start thinking about, is it a book? Is it a course? Is it speaking? Is it supplements? But I want to now ask, knowing what I stand for and who I'm trying to be, what I can make. And so I'd argue that you have to think about what you want to make. The fourth question is, what kind of resources are required to make these things have the impact that I desire? The fifth question is, what is the return on time and capital investments to make sure they are actually worth doing? The sixth question is, what are the things that only I can do rather than hiring someone else who is professionally more proficient than me? And then the seventh thing is, what is the infrastructure required to scale? Okay, so I am personally in real time working through this framework that I, because of having talked to you and a whole ton of other people, I've had to sit down as I try to answer, what do I write out on this blank piece of paper? And so if I can... You got this right for people because you went fast. It's like, what do I stand for? Who am I trying to be? What can I make? What resources are required? What's return on investment worthwhile? Um, What is only something that... What only can I do? Um, And what infrastructure is needed to scale? That's right. Did I get those right? That's right. See, all, right. I, write, I actually write all this stuff down. So You wrote that down. People think I'm texting people. I'm like, I take notes like an old man on cards and stuff. Like, I don't know. Uh, so, so that's great, man. That's yeah. powerful. Give a round of applause for that. That's powerful. Dude, right. I love that. So I will answer your question of what my week looks like. And the reality is I'll answer what my week looks like as I actually am able to answer the questions of who I'm trying to be with more specificity. Yeah of what tools I can create against what I'm trying to be, of the resources that are required, of the return on time and capital investment, the things that only I can do in the infrastructure, right? If I can answer those questions, now I know, oh, I'm going to be having a meeting with someone who can do something that I don't have to do. Or yes. I'm going to hire that CFO, COO, the person who's going to be working in the data analytics group, 
I'm going to be meeting with them because it's now their job to do it. I'll write it. I'll put it up in the in the chat too. But Dude, uh, that's still good. And you know what that's called, everybody? That's intentionality. That's being intentional about what you want the week to look like from a higher meta perspective about what you want your life to be about, which I love because most people just go to the productivity hack, right? Of like, here's what I'll do during the hour or here's my morning routine without the bigger picture. Like morning routines without a bigger picture is just going through emotions or something, right? So I think that's super. Dude, I love that framework. Love it. We're running out of time. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to throw out one thing. So you said morning routine and I have become a beast of routine in yeah. four months post, Hey, let's get divorced. <laughs> and I want to, I want to challenge anyone who in real time is struggling with what do I need to do or how do I build a routine? Because it has been life changing for me to think about it through this lens. Casting a vision for who you'd hope to become on the other side of COVID, casting a vision for who you'd hope to be in 2021, casting a vision for who you are five years from now, whatever it ends up being, stay really connected to who that person is. And then against your health, your physical, your emotional, your mental, your spiritual, your relational health, I want you to ask yourself the question, what do I need in this season? To get me one step closer every day to the vision of who I'm going to be on the other side of COVID at the end of 2021, five years from now, as I become the vision of who I want to become. As you get the answers to those three things that you need in each of those five categories of health, now you know where you need to set goals. And those goals, I like to make smart goals, but make a goal. Those goals become your routine. And so when I know that I need to move my body in a certain way, that I need to see a therapist a certain frequency of times, got to commune with God a certain frequency of, now it's telling me this is what has to happen in your morning to set you up to actually create integrity by the end of the day between who you'd know you'd have to be at the end of the day to become the person you've cast the vision for. That to me is the way at least for me in this window, it has been fundamental in how I have established a set of routines that even though I'm wading through the hardest season of my life, have, have me in the healthiest state of my life. I love that, man. Give him a round of applause. Dude, that's so articulate. I'm writing so many notes right now on this, man. Um, so good. Uh, I've ended each person's time today of just asking what they would what piece of advice they would give to somebody starting or scaling uh, in this industry is, you know, trying to do more marketing, trying to do more influence. And I honestly think you kind of answered it a little bit there because that's so broad and, and just awesome. Um, but also you've been at that point of trying to do these things from scratch and really building and scaling. What advice do you have for their journey? Well, the, the biggest piece of advice I would say is stay connected to impact, stay, stay connected to value delivery. I think there's a trap sometimes that anyone who wants to step into this business can think about all the different tools that exist with copy and funnels and gimmicks and whatever, that sometimes you get so focused on the execution that you forget to ask, am I actually delivering value. Because again, it's not about audience 
in terms of size. It's about audience in terms of depth. Mm. And so the more that you can create a deep, meaningful relationship, even with a small number of people, those people will become ambassadors on behalf of the goodness that you are affording them. And they will now become the, the megaphone. They will be the ones that are telling their friends, God, you got to tune in, man, you got to read this post. You got to do this course, you know, all that stuff. But it comes back to, are you actually focused on value? Are you actually focused on impact? Because it doesn't matter if you've got the greatest email scheme in the history of time, if it's not impacting the person you're trying to reach, it will not create depth. It will create short-term churn, and you will never feel great about yourself if you are not having transformation in people's lives. Love it. Dave Hollis, ladies and gentlemen, let's go! Let's go! Dude, so good, man. So good seeing you. You um, too, brother. I can't tell you how much I miss you. And uh, it feels like it's been 9,000 years, but I think I saw you in February. <laughs> way know. too long. It feels like it's been way longer. I'm going to see you soon. I might be outside your window tomorrow. Just if, it's, <laughs> if, if you get spooked, it might be me. You are welcome anytime down here. Puerto Rico loves you, and uh, me and Denise love you. And you know we got your back 24-7. So if you need something, always reach out, brother. I know it, brother. Thank you, man. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. This is awesome. A huge round of applause. And